welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Today I'm at the Miami Book Fair where my guest is C.L. Jew. C.L., thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Your debut novel and stories, Cake Time, was the winner of the Red Hen Press Fiction Award in 2015 and was published earlier this year. It follows your protagonist from high school to college and into her mid-30s as she awkwardly navigates various relationships with men. Um, First of all, did you set out to write a novel in stories? Was that always your plan? No. um, I mean, I think, you know, especially in in grad school when I started writing a lot of short stories, um, the idea was that I would write a short story collection. But at the time I started writing, you know, I was really just writing random (laughs) stories about all sorts of things. It wasn't until much later that I came to think of it as a collection with the same protagonist. Well, the titles of your stories are so clever and they really stand out. How Not to Have an Abortion, You Are Realistic, Holiday Love Scarf, Cake Time, which also serves as the title of the book. How did you go about deciding on Cake Time as a title? And was it always a title for you, or were there other ideas that you threw out? Well, I think once I decided on... I think Cake Time was the first title I thought of for the collection. Um, And obviously it's a title of the story. And the reason I picked it is because it seems kind of festive and fun. (laughs) But I think cake, you know, maybe this is partly just me, but I think for uh, some people or a lot of people, cake can bring up like feelings of overindulgence or, uh, you know, things that are too sweet or uh, too decadent, things like that. So... I liked the idea of it being like a sweet celebration, but also with like a dark underside in a way. Your protagonist, who is never named, seems to live a very unfulfilling life. She goes from one really bad relationship to the next. She doesn't have many friends. She's not that satisfied with her career, and she doesn't have a good relationship with her family. In writing about her, were you also trying to make some sort of commentary about modern life? I think in some ways, um, perhaps not as bleak as you <laughs> as you just described it, but I think I did want to um, give some sense of how a lot of people can feel kind of disconnected, especially in a if you live in like a large urban place although I don't know I haven't I haven't spent that much time in you know smaller towns or rural communities so I'm not sure how that works but you know one of the great things about the city is that it does give you the sense of anonymity which gives you a lot of freedom to try things and um, and fail at things or succeed at things, uh, to start over. All of those things are amazing and things I love about living in 
a city in Los Angeles in particular, um, I think it's also very easy not to have connections. Um, you know, it's easier to think of people as disposable. It's easier to feel like, uh, you know, if you have a, a small conflict with someone to say, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, to just throw away the relationship and start anew. Um, and there are things that are really great about that and things that can be very distancing about that, where you don't necessarily have to, uh, have to um, be committed to anything. Well, you really captured the awkwardness of dating with this book. I mean, some of the conversations that the narrator has with the men in her life are really cringeworthy, but it all feels so real. When you were writing the dialogue, what did you tap into to make it feel so authentic? Oh, thanks so much. Um, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I think... I mean, they're, they're small bits of dialogue that kind of come from real life, but most of it does not. I think it's more getting into the character and thinking about how, uh, how they might talk. Um, and I don't know. I think in, in real life, people say a lot of odd things. <laughs> Uh, you know, in, in very unexpected moments. So I tried to capture that in writing. There's a lot of sex in Cake Time, and you write those scenes really well. I mean, they never feel over the top or unrealistically perfect. You show, you know, the awkwardness as well as the beauty and passion and sometimes confusion. Writing about sex successfully is something that a lot of writers struggle with. You know, how are you able to figure that out and get it right? Well, thanks so much. I'm not sure that I... <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you feel like I got it right. You know, one thing I really love reading is the Bad Sex Awards. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they give them out every year. And I actually like reading, like, the examples. Like, you can see why it's considered bad, but they're also very entertaining and hilarious and and some are written by very esteemed authors <laughs> um i think when i write about sex i tend not to one suggestion i might have for other people who want to try writing about sex is to not uh put too much flowery language in i think like once you start adding i don't know metaphors about animals or flowers or things like that things go things get strange or funny really quickly <laughs> well one reviewer of your book described one of the sex scenes as a rape in the story easy target now i didn't remember it that way and it actually made me go back and reread part of that story i still disagree with that assessment, but the story does raise the issue of consent, and that particular scene was definitely a difficult one to read. Why is that something that you wanted to explore in this book? Well, I think 
I mean, when I wrote the story, it wasn't like I want to explore <laughs> the idea of consent. It was more just the story. But I think the what interests me about uh, the action of that story is, you know, when we talk about rape or consent in our culture, it's often portrayed as being very black and white and uh, that something was definitely rape or something was definitely not rape. And I think, I think in a lot of people's interactions, there's a lot of gray area. So, you know, in the particular story you're talking about, I think it's easy target, yes. Um, the, the woman who some people think is raped never says no. And in fact, she explicitly gives consent. So, it, but it's also very clear that she doesn't want to. Um, and I think that's kind of where, um, I think a lot of interactions are in that murky area. Not meaning like the majority or anything like that, but whether in sexual interactions or just regular interactions among people, there is often a, a disjunction between what people say and what people truly want, what they feel, and how they act. So I was interested in exploring that uh, because I think that's truer to real life than kind of the rhetoric we get, uh, especially in discussions about rape and consent. Before you published Cake Time, you published two poetry chapbooks. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that your poetry writing influences your prose? Honestly, not really. <laughs> I have had friends uh, who are also writers say, oh, I can see your poetry background in the lyricism of the prose or something like that. Um, but to me, they feel like completely different skills. Um, in prose, I feel like I'm more conscious about the reader and making things easy for the reader. Of course, I thought about that to some extent in poetry too, but in many ways it's less important, especially with the way poetry's going these days. There's more of a sense that the that the reader can is freer to construct the meaning, whereas I don't necessarily feel that way when I write fiction. Um, you know, and things like plot and character, those are things I really didn't worry about much at all with poetry. So it was, it, to me, it felt like a completely new skill that I've developed going from mostly writing poetry to pretty much exclusively, exclusively writing fiction. And what are you working on right now? I'm working on a novel novel, so since Cake Time was a novel in stories, I really want to stretch myself and write a novel that is more cohesive. Um, and it's called Eventually There Are No Rules, and it's about a woman who has an affair with her friend's husband. That sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
let's talk a little bit now about what you like to read. Sure. Um, what was the first thing you read that really resonated with you in a deep way? Wow, I think there must have been a lot of books um, that I don't remember <laughs> because I was younger. I mean, I loved like Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I think like once I, you know, I feel like the ones that actually started affecting me as a writer really didn't come until I was an undergrad. So one book that stands out, especially as Laurie Moore's Self-Help. Um, you know, I, that was really the first time I was introduced to writing in the second person, which I became kind of obsessed with for a while. So uh, I would say that book was, was very influential to me as a young writer. Well, if you could only read three books that you had read in the past, for the rest of your life, you're limited to those three. Mm. Which three would you choose? Well, I think I'm gonna have to pick like really, really long books <laughs> if I only get to pick three. Um, so maybe Infinite Jest, um, Doris Lessing's The Golden Notebook, uh, and this one isn't long, but because I love it, Lydia Davis's novel. Um, oh, the novel, the title escapes me. Give me a second. The end of the story. Well, sort of on the flip side of that, is there a book that you've read that is very popular either with readers or with critics and that you are unable to finish or that you finished, but then you just were like, I don't know what the big deal is about this book. Sure, and honestly, there's a lot of books that I <laughs> feel that way about, which is maybe a terrible thing to say. I mean, I love other author authors. I think, um, well, I don't want to call out any books, but I think one thing that I've really discovered as a reader is that... Um, what I love to read is completely unrelated to what makes it on the bestseller list, uh, you know, and the quality of writing, I feel, is very unrelated to how popular a book is. Um, I went through a phase where I was trying to read more bestsellers because I was you know, I kind of wanted to, before that I was reading a lot of indie books, so I was like, well, I want to find out why certain books seems to seem to connect with more people. And I guess the conclusion I've come to is that most of the reason why a book becomes popular or not really just has to do with the marketing machine. So you have to rely on other things to find the books that you personally will connect with. Well, what are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading a novel called The Guinevere's. I'm trying to remember the author's name. Um, I can't remember, but it's a, it was a pretty well-received book. I'm sure people can find it. It's about four girls who are at this uh, orphanage, religious orphanage, who are all named Guinevere. 
<laughs> and it's sort of about um, both belonging, um, but loneliness and the desire to to find an identity. Well, where can listeners find you online? They can visit my website, cljew.com. It's spelled S-I-E-L-J-U. And uh, I'm very reachable there and also on social media. Okay, well, CLJU, thank you so much for stopping by to talk to me about your work today. It's really been nice to talk to you. Thank you, Marva. It was great to meet you. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free signed copy of Cake Time. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton, reminding you to read more. <laughs>